And then uh, for salvation, pray for these that are listed here for salvation. And uh, God is God is able to uh, do exceeding and, and abundantly above all that we ask or think. So we're thankful for that. Um, pray for uh, those in the military uh, listed here. Just pray for safety for them. You know, even though some of them are doing, you know, they're not actually overseas or uh, in uh, harm's way now, but even the practice, the exercises that they do can be dangerous. And so uh, pray for them, our church, the finances, Christians being persecuted for their faith. And we're thankful that we don't face that persecution here. Um, and so we're thankful for that, but we do want to pray for those around the world that face persecution. Of course, pray for Jessica Nino and uh, pray for her. Pray for little Lu Luis as he's uh, doing well and uh, pray for them. Pray for LJ and Eloise of this little family that God would just meet their needs and bless them um, in a great way. Um, and then pray for um, all those missionaries that are listed, the ministries. You see, it goes from the ministries, people are involved in the ministries, become missionaries. That's where the missionaries come from. They come from uh, ministries in the church, pe people serving God in the church. And, uh, and so we're thankful for these ministries. We're thankful for those that are involved in ministry. You pray for them. Pray for the young people that are in the back, the junior church that's going on, uh, those in the nursery. And we're just thankful for each one that's helping and serving, and, and uh, we look forward to enlisting more workers, more people to help, and uh, to serve the Lord. And, of course, you're seeing your uh, spiritual gifts here and uh, those things listed that uh, Brother Mike will be addressing from the Word. And it's just, it's, there's nothing like serving God. It's exciting, it's a blessing, and it's fulfilling. And uh, we're just thankful for those that, that do serve. So pray for our, our missionaries listed here all around the world. And again, we're thankful for those that have given their lives uh, to God and are being used by God to pro propagate the gospel. And just, of course, be praying for our country, a lot going on in our country, uh, the shooting in Illinois. Uh, and just pray for the, the survivors, the people that uh, lost loved ones there, and uh, just a lot of negative things going on in the world and in our country, and we just pray for the Spirit of God to move and pray for the churches. The churches are the ones where the light. This is where the light comes from. It comes from the people of God, the children of God, who have faith in God and are guided by God, and so... Um, just uh, continue to pray uh, for all of these missionaries listed here and all of the ministries and uh, for those that are doing the Lord's work. The senior saints are having a luncheon on the 17th, and uh, I look forward to that. That's after the morning service, so if you fall into that category, you're welcome to stay for lunch on that day. And Mrs. Dollinger has some information um, about what you're to bring and and how that'll work. And there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, so keep that in mind, all right? Let's take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll, Brother Michael, come. Father in heaven, God, we thank you and we praise you, and we look to you, Lord. Uh, we ask you to bless now uh, all of these that are listed here. 
God, there are so many needs. And Lord, we know that you can meet every need. And God, we look to you and we ask you to bless, uh, Lord, and uh, touch lives. Those that have needs physically. Lord, I think of Dwayne Carr dealing with pain all the time. And uh, Lord, help uh, them to get a remedy for that pain that he has to endure. I think of Karen Dukes, who just has had one thing after another physically, uh, the problems, the surgeries, and so on. Encourage her tonight and bless her. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for all those that are listed here and the needs that are listed uh, on this prayer sheet. And we ask you, God, to just meet every need. God, we know you're all powerful. And we know you can meet every need. And so we bring them to you. The needs are far greater than any one of us, but they're not greater than you, God. And so we look to you. We pray for our military. We pray for our, minist our ministries here in the church. Pray for the young people tonight. Bless them and uh, be with Nick as he speaks to them. Be with the children's church ministry tonight, those that are directing there. Uh, God bless them. Uh, again, we pray for LJ and Jessica and little Luis as he is uh, growing and we're just thankful for the safe delivery there and Lord we just look forward to seeing him and just we just thank you God that's a great answer to prayer and God we thank you and we praise you for that we ask you now to just bless all the ministries all the missionaries and uh, those that are serving uh, God we thank you and we look forward uh, Lord as we move through the summer and we have our BBS's coming up God, that you would just uh, touch hearts as these lessons are being taught from your word. God, that you would touch hearts and people would step up and use their spiritual gift for your glory. And we love you and we look to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you so much. Brother Mike, are we going to have a video now? We'll have a video, then Brother Mike will come. Hey! Tommy and Eddie here. We want to share with you about a great opportunity happening right here at church. Yeah. In fact, we have a very special guest here to help us today. She's my grandmother. I love her so much. I call her Mamaw. Come here, Mamaw. Help us out. Mamaw? You want to get her to... Mamaw. We're getting ready for VBS. It's that wonderful time of the year where children from all over the community join us to learn about the God who loves us so much. Yes, and my Mamaw has been helping out with VBS for the past 20 years. 43 years? Well, let's just say a long time. 43 years. Yeah, but it's really just a... She's never like that. I make cookies for the kitties. She does. My mamaw makes some of the best cookies for the kids. Yeah, if you like the taste of Play-Doh. What? Here's the deal. Mamaw needs your help. No, I don't. Yes, you do. She doesn't. No. No, you do. I uh, do The not. whole point of this... Now listen, if you'll listen... Many wonderful people, just like my mamaw, over the years have helped out with VBS, whether it's been crowd control, co making cookies, helping with games, teaching the kids. We want to give you a chance to get involved just to encourage the children through VBS. So look, let's give mamaw a break. I'll give you a break. Pressure point. Here's the point. Get involved. This is your time. This is the summer for you to rise up and say, yes, I will be a part of VBS, just like my mamaw has been for the past 43 years. You, you kind of passed out. When'd your mamaw get here? She's been here the whole time, buddy. Oh, it's good to see you. So let's all work together and give mamaw a rest. What are you doing? What, she looks tired. I've had it. That's it. I'll put you to rest. Oh, what was that? Okay. Ow. Okay. Seriously, quit. 
Be, be easy on him, Mamma. So, there you have it. Get involved. Change some lives this summer. We need you at VBS. And we're, we're excited. Uh, next week, we have our Teen VBS going on, and Teen Extreme is what we're calling that. That'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then the following week, we have our Kids Vacation Bible School, Kids Blast. And here, here's the great thing about Vacation Bible School. I truly believe this is a week, as we're talking about spiritual gifts, whatever your spiritual gifts are, you can get involved with this week. There's going to be so many different outlets, so many different things to do. And so we're just encouraging everybody to get involved. In the back, there are some forms to fill out. Just fill one of those out, drop it off there, and we'll make sure to get you placed somewhere for Vacation Bible School. And most importantly of all, we need to pray for it. Sometimes we say that and we've just become accustomed to hearing it, but I really want to stress this year, let's take some time to pray for these events. Uh, Tuesday, 6 o'clock, is when the Teen Vacation Bible School is going to start. 6 o'clock, set aside some time to pray. Set aside some time I, I want, around 7.15, 7.20. That's when the message is going to be preached to the kids. Set aside that time during, maybe if you can, maybe even 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just to pray during that time as God's word is shared that they will make decisions that will impact their lives. Pray for the kids coming up in just a couple weeks. We're praying again that, again, get involved, but pray. Pray for safety. The different things, the different games that are going on. We're looking forward to having well over 100 kids here on the campus for that. We're praying for the teens. Last year for the teens, we were right around 50 every night. We, we want to get more here for that. And so be, be praying for that. Again, it's not that we're after numbers or we're after anything like that. We just want teenagers to be here and to hear about a God that loves them more than anyone else will ever love them. And we want them that, that come here. There, there'll be several that come here next week. We're praying at least for several to come here next week that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't know. We're praying for the opportunity to share that with them. We're praying that they get saved. We're praying for other teenagers that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're not really living for Him right now. They're sort of doing their own thing. We're praying that during that week, they'll just give their lives to Him. It can happen, but it only happens through God working, and we need His help. A lot of preparation has gone in, I'm thankful for so many. The teenagers have been out passing out flyers. So many different people. You probably passed out some of them to kids that you know. You've invited people. You're going to be here. You're going to be involved with it. But we need to pray. We need God's help for that week. So we really ask you to pray for Vacation Bible School. Again, our Teen Extreme starts this upcoming Tuesday. It'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. And then the following week will be the Kids VBS. Again, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Be in prayer for those events. And if you're able to, I encourage you to be here. Maybe, again, you're not able to be here every single night of that. Maybe you could just be here for one or two nights. Sign up. We'll get you placed somewhere where you can uh, just help, encourage. Sometimes we need people just in the parking lot, just there, making sure as the kids are coming out, the people are safe, walking across. So there's so many different avenues, so many different ways to serve. And so we just want to encourage you to get involved with that. If you have your Bibles, take it out and turn to Romans chapter number 12 tonight. Romans chapter number 12. 
And we're continuing our study on spiritual gifts. So Romans chapter number 12 is where we will we'll spend the majority of our time tonight looking at this passage. We briefly looked at it last week, but we'll really dive into it this week. And as we're turning there, I, I did bring up a few pictures here that I wanted to show you. And I, I, I want your help for some of these. I'm going to need your help for some of these. The first one we have is... Uh, I, I, this is a coffee grinder, okay? An old coffee grinder. How many of you ever had one of these at your house or anyone ever have one? I, I do not know how to use it, but this is a, a, a super old coffee grinder. And um, we'll go to the next one. A typewriter. How many of you, let's, let's do this. How many of you do not know how to use a typewriter? That is me. All right, I do not know how to use a typewriter. Fortunately for me, it was all like computer keyboard. How many of you know how to use a typewriter? You know how to use, okay, so most of you do um, know, I, I guess I'm just not, I'm not as talented as you are, but, uh, but a typewriter. Most, a, a lot, if we were to take this back to the teens tonight, I am fairly certain that there would be nobody in there that would know, I think they would know what it is, but I don't think they'd know how to use it. All right, let's go to the next one. A little bit different than the phone we have today, right? A rotary phone. How many of you remember growing up with these, right? Growing up and uh, it's a little bit different how you turn the dial. You ever notice, here's what I noticed. As a child, I had many phone numbers memorized. And now I have like no phone numbers memorized, right? Your phone right now, I, I think the only numbers I have memorized, maybe just Joanna's, maybe the only number, and the churches. I've got the churches because I've told it to people, but I think those are the only two. Used to be as a kid, you'd have like everybody's phone number memorized, and now I, I don't know any of them. But, uh, but a rotary phone, okay? The next one, a toaster, okay? This is a, a little bit of an older version of our toaster. I think I could probably figure out, I, I mean, it's, it shouldn't be too hard to figure out how to use a toaster, but a little bit of an older version of a toaster. Do I have any, is there any more? All right, let's go to the next one. I can't an ice crusher. I don't even know what this is supposed to do, all right? I mean, I'm assuming crush ice. I have no idea the concept of how to use it. Anybody ever used one of these before? Okay, all right, so, so you could show, give all of us just a demonstration on how to use it if we had it here. All of these are different tools that were used at one time. Now, I got to be honest, if I just saw that and didn't have beside the picture what it was, I would have no idea what it was. Others of those I could figure out. I know what a typewriter is. I don't know how to use the typewriter. I, I mean, I know how to type, but I don't know how to do all of the, the different things you need to do for the typewriter. These are all tools that can be used, but the first question you have to, you have to know what it is. And then you have to know how to use it. This is the purpose of the study we're doing. Remember, we talked about this last week. We want to discover our gifts. And then we want to develop them. And then we want to use them. That's the whole purpose for this study that we're looking at today. This is a quick review of what we looked at last week. Who gets a spiritual gift? The answer to that, every single person who's believed on Jesus Christ as their Savior has a spiritual gift that is given to them. Who gives them? God. God gives them. He gives them. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells us with that spiritual gift. What are they? That's what we're going to really get into these next couple of weeks. We're going to take each one of these spiritual gifts that's listed for us in Romans chapter number 12, and we're going to see what, what is that. And then the last question we looked at, why, why are we given them? Remember the first is to glorify God. That's what everything we have is here for, to glorify God. The second is to serve each other in this local body. 
So that's what we looked at last week. Today, we're going to get into what are the spiritual gifts. And you're in Romans chapter number 12, and we're going to start out with a couple of verses that are very, very familiar. You're there, read verse number one with me. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're going to lead up to verse number 7 where we're going to start looking at those spiritual gifts. But anytime we're reading a verse in the Bible, we need to know the context of what's going on there. We need to understand what's happening. So maybe the, some of the most famous verses here, definitely in Romans chapter number 12, maybe in the entire book of Romans, is what we just read, where it's talking about, I beseech you, I'm asking you, what that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We, we hear this word sacrifice, it does not mean as much to us as it would have meant to many of those people that would have heard heard this in the first century. Why? Because they grew up taking sacrifices to the temple and watching those animals be slaughtered and put there. So when they hear this sacrifice, they understand the idea of sacrifice, but the idea of a living sacrifice, that they don't understand. Because when you sacrifice something, it's no longer alive. But the first thing we need to realize here is we must have the right attitude about our life. The right attitude about my life. So Romans chapters 1 through 11 has gone into a lot of doctrine. Many times, and I'm sure many of you have heard this expression before, the Romans road. When we talk about the Romans road, what are we talking about? Typically it's a series of verses through the book of Romans that when you are trying to witness to somebody, when you're trying to share your faith with somebody, you'll take them to these verses. One of the first verses on the Romans road is Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then maybe you lead them to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you lead them through these verses, Romans 10, where it talks about the fact that they can know for sure they're on their way to heaven. So all of this has led up to Romans chapter 12. It's been doctrinally, it's telling you, this is what Christ has done for you. This, he's paid the price for your sin. He's given you the gift so that you can have eternal life. And when it comes to chapter 12, it's saying, because of all of that, that's why our lives can be a living sacrifice. Because we see everything he's done for us. It doesn't start out with make your life a living sacrifice. It lays the groundwork and says, because of everything that's happened, and, and that's why it says it's only your reasonable service. So because of everything that's happened, it's, it's only reasonable that you do this. We must have the right attitude about our life because our society does not teach us in life to live our life for others. Society teaches us today to do everything for yourself. And we are programmed to look at every situation we're in and to look at it and say, how does this benefit me. And we're sort of programmed to see, to sort of maneuver and to to make it benefit us somehow. That's not how a Christian should live. See, the right attitude about my life is this is what God has given to me. He's given me my life. He's given me everything I have. He's given me the assurance. 
We, we talk about it often. But you, you read the news, you, you, or you read the paper, you watch the news, you, you get on social media, and we feel like this world is a mess. We go through difficult times in our life. And there's many different trials of life that I wonder, how does somebody that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior get through this? Because it's hard enough knowing Jesus Christ is my Savior. We have that. And because of that, it's not about me. So I must have the right thinking about my life. But not only that, I must have the right thinking about spiritual gifts. Look at verse number three. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I'm not to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. How does that happen? Here's how that happens. You ever, I played sports growing up. And I remember going to the gym or different things like that. And there were always those, those guys that thought they were really, really good at basketball. Like, like they really did. They thought they were amazing. And there would always be these stories. Like if I wouldn't have hurt my knee, I probably would have. And, and they'll, they'll, you know, I, I had this D1 scholarship or I had this. Me, I didn't, I didn't have to tell people that I was good. I just proved it. No, not just joking. But, you know, it... it they, they always had these stories. They thought they were super good. And then they got out on the court and you're like, no, 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 you're, you're lying to yourself. You, you, you never had that. That's what we do. We look at our gifts and we're like, look at how good I am. Look at how gifted I am. And we're adults, right? We don't say it. We know we're not supposed to go around saying, look at how good I am. But that's, that's how we sort of live our lives. I'm better than other people. In fact, that's going to be one of the big problems that we're going to look at in the church in Corinth because of the spiritual gifts that people had. They said, I'm better than you because of the gift I have. That's, that's not the purpose of gifts. I must have the right thinking about spiritual gifts. The gift is not for me to look good. That's not why it's given to me. God did not gift give you your gift so that everybody would look at you one day and say, wow, what an amazing Christian that person is. That was not the purpose of it. We must have the corporate thinking about spiritual gifts. What is that? Look at, with me in verse number four. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. The gifts that we are given are given for a purpose so that we can serve in our local church. That's why we've been given it. Now, again, as we're going to talk about in the church in Corinth, the problem came up. Some people were like, well, look at the gift I have. My gift's better than you. Other people were like, well, I wish I had that gift. But what we got to understand is every gift is important. Uh, I, I, I've, was, I've been able to help out coaching Banning Youth Basketball League. And it's, it's fun to, to be out there with the kids and different things like that. Because when I'm out there with fifth and sixth graders, I still look like I'm good at basketball. Because I can dominate them. I, I, I mean, I can put them in their place. So I, that, that's the age group I like to hang out with now. Seventh and eighth grade, I can go up there too. But, but fifth and sixth especially, I mean, I, I just look like I'm a good basketball player back then. So, but you go out there with, 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 with fifth and sixth graders, with different ones. And you know what everybody thinks about when they think about basketball? is scoring. 
That's what, in their mind, they want to get the ball and they want to shoot every single time. Because I believe we, we live in a, a ESPN culture, and so it's always about who scores the most points, who has the highlights, all of that. But those of us that know sports understand that you have to have a whole lot more than just somebody that can score a basketball. You've got to have somebody that can rebound the ball. Those of us that know sports, when we're watching a game, we're going to see the guy that's setting the screen to get the guy open who just took the three-point shot and made it. Because if he's not setting the screen, the guy doesn't get open to take the shot. So everybody on the team is vitally important. There is nobody... Let's see. You're a Warriors fan, Carl, so we won't hold that against you, all right? But the, the, the Warriors won the NBA championship. Steph Curry is a phenomenal basketball player. Would you agree with that, Carl? Would you? Okay, all right. I, I thought you would, all right? But here's the thing. Steph Curry doesn't win an NBA championship by himself. You could throw in Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. I'll give you those three. But if they had three on five, they're losing. They don't have a chance. So sometimes we've got to understand that the gifts that are given, they are all vitally important. Don't get sucked into this idea, okay, well, this gift is way more important than this one because everybody is, is important. And that's what we're going to see as we continue through this study. And that brings us to what are the spiritual gifts. Verse number six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. This grace that is given to us, because of grace, we've been given gifts. That's the only reason we've ever received anything, isn't it? Because of grace. That's the reason that one day we can go to heaven when we die is because of the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We were given the gift of salvation by grace. It, there's, there's no works we do to earn that. And these spiritual gifts that we've been given, they are given by grace. God is the one that gives them to us. But as it mentioned here, there's different ones. So now what we're going to look at is what are the different gifts that are mentioned. The first one we're going to look at, we find in verse number 6, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The first one we're going to look at is prophecy. Prophecy. And with prophecy, we're going to look at this idea of proclaiming truth. Proclaiming truth. When we think of prophecy... Well, let me just ask you, when you hear the word prophecy, what are things that come to your mind? Future events. Probably for most people, that's what we think about. We just got done going through the book of Revelation, and we think of future events. When you think of the word prophet, what do you think of? I think of like Elijah, right? I think of these guys that were just out there, you know, Elijah's telling King Ahab, no, you're the man that's causing all the problems here. And I, that, those are the ideas that I, the first things that come to my mind are along those. But we got to understand that prophecy is not just foretelling what's going to happen. Prophecy is forthtelling. What does that mean? It means prophecy is giving the truth. It's telling people what the truth is. Proclaiming the principles of God. We're going to look at Jesus. Jesus was the greatest prophet. Why? Because he spoke the truth of God no matter the circumstances or consequences. Jesus went around the area there in Judea. He was up in Galilee, and he was telling people the truth no matter what was going to happen. Remember at one point his disciples were like, hey, Jesus, we, we can't go back there. Remember last time we were back there, they tried to kill us? And Jesus was like, no, that's where we need to go. 
He, he, he would go and he would tell the truth. So what we're going to look at here is some characteristics of somebody who has this gift of prophecy. The first is there will be a strong dependence on Scripture. A strong dependence on Scripture. Because remember, what a, somebody with a gift of prophecy, what they're going to do is they are going to speak the truth. The truth is something that's going to be vitally important to them. So what is truth? John 17, 17 says, uh, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. That is what the truth is. I'm sorry I put the wrong verse up there. But that, that's what the truth is. The truth is the word of God. So somebody who's going to have this gift of proclaiming the word of God, it only makes sense that they know the word of God. How can you proclaim something you do not know? They must have a desire to know the word of God. And here's the thing. It's a dependence on it. You know, anybody can get up and say anything. Isn't that what social media has proved to us? Everybody has a platform. Anybody can get a podcast now. Anybody can go on YouTube and say whatever they want. Anybody can. And if you were to go on YouTube and you were to try to find different opinions, you could find different opinions, different programs to watch for anything, any topic you could think of. There'd be people that would believe differently, all of these things. You could go into any, um, I like, I love history. One of the things I love history is some of the debates that surround some important events in history. I don't know why I like those, but I think they're, they're fun to study out. Like maybe some of you, was John F. Kennedy just killed by Lee Harvey Oswald, right? You ever heard, like, I mean, there's, there's all these programs. On. What did this happen? Was there other people involved? You could go to, uh, I mean, all of these historical events. And if you looked at those, you could get different opinions on each one of them. Did we go to the moon? Right? People disagree. Did we go to the moon? All the, you could find all these different things. So how do we know what the truth is? It's got to be from God's word. So a prophet is going to depend on God's word, not going to depend on what they want God's word to say. That's one of the big problems that we see in so-called Christianity today. You know what a lot of people want to do? is they want to make the Bible say what they want it to say. And so they're going to tell you what they want you to believe that the Bible says. But we, and this is why I love this church right here, we want to just go to the Bible and see what does the Bible say. Not what can we, what can we make the Bible say, can we make the Bible... We sh should never try to get the Bible to agree with us. We should just go ahead and agree with the Bible. And that's what somebody that has this gift of prophecy will be. Not only will there be a strong dependence on Scripture, there will be a boldness. A boldness. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There needs to be a boldness that we have. That we, we're not afraid. This is, again, this gift of prophecy, I believe it's proclaiming the truth. So one of the areas that the truth is proclaimed is through preaching. But another way that the gift of prophecy is given is somebody that's going to be able to share their faith with other people. And they're okay with going into those situations where maybe, maybe it's not as comfortable. But they're going to have the boldness to go and to stand before them and to say, this is what God's Word says. That's a boldness that you must have. They're going to be persuasive. Persuasive. They want change in somebody's life. They want to see somebody change. 
So they will give them the verses. They will lead them to the Bible so that they can see that change in their life. They're not just going to say, hey, here's what I believe. You believe whatever you want to believe. They're going to say, no, no, here's what the truth is. You need to believe this. They're going to be persuasive. There's going to be a loyalty, a loyalty. There's going to be a commitment to the truth and to God. It's not going to be about them. It's going to be, I want you to know the truth. There's going to be a brokenness. He knows that he doesn't know it all. He knows he doesn't have it all. And the main desire of somebody here is just to be closer to God. It's not a look at me. They will have a passion for the truth and for God's word. This is the first one we're going to look at here, the gift of prophecy. Again, I believe someone with the gift of prophecy will be somebody who can get up and proclaim God's word and preach. I also believe someone with the gift of prophecy, God has especially gifted them to go and share their faith with others. Now, we're going to, as we go through these right here, I want to be very, very clear. Just because you say, I do not believe I have the gift of prophecy, does not mean now you never have to share your faith with anybody else. We're going to look at serving other people. Just because you say, well, okay, I don't have the gift of ministry, so I don't need to serve anybody else. That, that's not what we're saying. But God does especially gift some people in these areas. I believe all of us should be involved in these areas. I, I do. But I do believe that God gifts some people more than others for each one of these areas. So let me ask you a few questions. Do you find that you can't remain quiet or sit still when you are hearing a lie or are in the presence of evil? Do you have a clear-cut understanding of what God considers to be right and wrong? Do you share your faith with others even when it's difficult? These are things that, that somebody that has this gift of prophecy, they will be able to display in their life. The first one we looked at is the gift of prophecy. The second we're going to look at, continue on, in, or go to verse number 7. Oh, let me, I'm, I'm sorry, let me finish up some, one part in verse number 6. It says, according to the proportion of faith. What is this talking about right here? Somebody that has a gift of prophecy, they're only going to say what's true. The proportion of faith. What is the faith? What is true? They're not going to be going, today, we, we just got through, through studying the book of Revelation. How many of you have ever heard somebody predict when the end of the world is going to be? You ever heard that before? You guys remember when... Uh, 2012. Do you guys remember that? The Mayan calendar thing. Do you guys remember any of that? Like the, the supposedly 2012, the world was supposed to end. I remember, I, I don't know why I remember, we were going to a men's meeting and we're on our way back and there was a guy, I want to say it was like in Northern California that had predicted that the world was going to end like at a certain day, a certain time and everything like that. And we were in the van driving back from the meeting and the world didn't end at that time. It's continued to go on. And in fact, I found out later he predicted three other times when the world was going to end and was not right on any of those. But people would look at them and say, okay, he's a prophet. No, no, that's not according to the truth. That's just somebody saying something. And so that, when we're looking at prophecy, we're not looking at somebody that's going to predict the future. We're looking at somebody that's going to proclaim the truth. And that is mentioned according to the proportion of faith. Then it continues, verse number 7, Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. So the second gift we're going to look at is ministry. We're going to sub in there this word of serving. The gift of service. The gift of helping other people. And again, we're going to look at our greatest example of this, Jesus Christ. Remember what the Bible says about Jesus in Matthew chapter 20? It says, even... 
As the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came, is to serve other people. That's why we should be, we should be serving. But again, God does give some people more than others in this area of serving. This would be somebody that's more behind the scenes. They don't need to be out front. They don't need all of the attention. They're okay just being behind the scenes and serving and getting everything done. So what are some characteristics of somebody like this? The first one we're going to look at is they will be alert. They're alert. What does that mean? They notice when there's a need. They notice where there's an area to serve. And here's the difference. They notice it and they want to do something about it. We all can notice things, right? Um, my kids are taking swimming lessons right now. And uh, so we were, we were up at the pool, and I'm, I'm watching them take the sw swimming lessons, and I noticed uh, at, at the pool, it's just basically, you know, teenagers that are, that are working, doing all of this. And somebody was asking a question, and nobody was really answering their question. So I'm watching this, and here's what I'm thinking the whole time. Somebody just needs to go to them and say, go right up there to the person in charge and ask them. But, but they're not saying it to them. And I'm just about to get up and go do it. And then somebody, the, the person that was in charge, came out there. But I, I saw that there needed to be something to happen. Unfortunately, in this situation, I didn't really do much about it. I, I just sat there and was like, oh, somebody needs to do something about it. Isn't that what we're, we're good at that, aren't we? We find something that needs to be done, and we're like, somebody needs to do it. But all of us need to get involved. All of us need to serve, but some people are gifted a little bit more. They see a little bit more the need. John chapter 13, we find Jesus in an upper room, hours before he's going to be arrested. And remember the need that he sees? As they're getting ready to eat, nobody's washed their feet. Nobody. Again, this was a custom of the day as they would come in and as they would, would sit there, and especially when we think about how they would sit. Remember, they're not sitting at a table. They're leaning back. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, you, you could get stuck with somebody's feet not too far away from your face while you're eating. That just doesn't sound that nice. But that's sort of the custom of the day as they would recline, as they would lay there. And so Jesus, as he notices that nobody's washed the feet, what does he do? He gets up. He goes over and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. You see, he saw a need and he got up and did something about it. They're alert to the problems that are there. And then they're joyful. They're joyful. Sometimes people see the need and they do something about it, but they don't want to do anything about it. They're doing it because they have to. They're doing it because it's what we're supposed to do. There's a joyfulness to it. And, and again, the idea of serving is not that somebody that's serving behind the scenes is less important than somebody else. Remember Acts chapter number 6? One of the first problems that's mentioned that arises in the church, the first disagreement was that there were people that felt that the widows weren't being taken care of the right way. And what did the apostles do? Well, we, we can't do that. We're already busy over here. So what did they set up? Deacons. That's where we see the, the deacons come in. And what were they there to do? To assist. And they would go and they would take care of these situations. Now, did that mean that the deacons were, were not as important as, as the apostles? or any? No, no, everybody was equally important. God loved everyone just the same. But these deacons came alongside to assist and to serve. And they were joyful about it. Because they realized that because they were serving... 
it allowed the apostles to continue the work that God had called them to do. And so they were okay to come in and to serve and to, to do maybe a little bit more behind the scenes so that the apostles, God could use them. Then they were generous. They were generous. They give of their time and resources. Somebody that's going to serve, they're, they're willing to give. They're going to give of their time. They might be here later taking care of a problem, maybe setting up a room, maybe doing something, but, but they're going to be generous with their time. They're going to be generous when it comes to helping people. If somebody calls them for help, okay, I, I'll be there. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to help you. They're generous with their time. At the end of that event that we just read about in John, or just talked about in John chapter 13, Jesus says this in John chapter 13, starting in verse number 15. says, For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Somebody that has the gift of serving, this is not the, the low gift to get. This is not the gift that you're like, I hope, you know, we're going to go through this study, maybe I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, but I really hope it's not that. No, no, this, this, is, this is what Christ did. He served others. He came to serve. And he's saying... We're all here to serve. But again, some people are gifted. Let me ask a few questions about that. Are you motivated to pursue practical areas of service to others? Are you concerned with practical, tangible work associated with a project? When somebody says, hey, we need to do this, does your mind begin to go to, okay, how can we get this done? What can we do to get this done? What are the processes? What are the steps to get this done? Do you enjoy to work with your hands and in association with other people? Do, do you like being a part of a group? Do you like putting, you know, working on a project together? Then again, these can be maybe clues that, that God's given you this gift of ministry or of service. And the last gift we're going to look at today, we find in the last part of verse number 7, or he that teacheth on teaching. Teaching. Jesus was a teacher. Remember the name that he's called by his disciples? Rabbi. What does rabbi mean? Teacher. Matthew 4.23 says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Jesus went teaching. Matthew 5, verse number 1 says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into uh, the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was a teacher. So what are we looking at for somebody that's a teacher of God's Word? First, a reverence and respect for the Word of God. A reverence and respect for the Word of God because they realize that, that is what they're teaching. The Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Whenever somebody has an opportunity to teach God's word, that is a big responsibility. And it doesn't matter if you're teaching three-year-olds, four-year-olds, fifth and sixth graders, junior high, senior high kids, if you're teaching adults, if you're teaching... None, none of, the age group doesn't matter. The responsibility is great. 
Because what I want to do when I open God's Word and I teach God's Word to somebody is I want to take a truth from God's Word and let somebody understand what that means. Now, when I teach different age groups, I may teach differently. Like, I'm not going to give a lesson like this back there with the four and five-year-olds tonight. That wouldn't go over very big. They would already probably have all got up and left the room by now. You're going to have to do it a little differently. But the truth doesn't change. The truth remains the same. So a teacher is going to reverence and respect the Word of God because that's what they're trying to teach. They're trying to give the Word of God. They want to study it. They want to know it. They're going to have a diligence and thoroughness. A diligence and thoroughness. They they will study and do the research until they have a thorough understanding of the text. You realize you can't teach something you don't know. It won't take anybody long to find out. If I were to get up here right now and to teach you how to fix a certain thing on a car, it would not take you very long to understand he has no idea what he's talking about. I can throw out different terms to make myself sound smart in the subject, but anybody, probably you wouldn't even need to know anything about cars. You would just be like, he doesn't know. I can't teach you about that because I don't know that. Somebody that's going to teach the Word of God They must know the Word of God. That means they must grasp the subject before they ever try to teach it to somebody else. To be honest, uh, those of you that have taught God's Word, you, you know. Many times as you're studying for a message, God does an incredible work in your heart before you ever share it with anybody else. Because... You're studying it, and you get into it, and it's fun to study God's Word. You'll have a desire to study. You'll find this Word as you're reading through it, and you'll be like, what does that Word mean for sure? And you're going to go, and you're going to look it up, and you're going to try to find out what does this mean, and you're going to do, you're going to reference different things, all of these things. Why? Because you want to know what it is that you're teaching. You want to know it. So there's going to be a diligence and a thoroughness to it. They're going to be dependable. Dependable. What does this mean? Others will know that you strive to rightly divide the word. Uh, They're going to know that this, you know, when they come in and they hear you teach the word of God, those that have this gift of teaching, they're going to know this person prepared. This person is trying their best to explain the word of God to me. They're going to know that. There's a diligence to it. Some questions to ask. or They don't find teaching as a burden. There's no greater joy than to study the Bible and to share what they learn. Are you concerned with accuracy when the Word of God is taught? Are you concerned that truth is passed on to the next generation? Do you desire to see other lives change with the information being given to them? These are the first three gifts that we're going to look at. And again, what we're trying to do right now is to discover what is the gift that God gave to you. If you're sitting in this room tonight and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, then God has given you a spiritual gift. Do you know what it is? The application is just the same that we had last week. Three questions. Have you received the greatest gift of all? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? That is the greatest gift. Everything we're talking about now, it it isn't applicable until you've received the greatest gift of all. Until you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Maybe you're sitting there saying, maybe one of those tonight, maybe that's it. We're going to, at the end of this study, really look at how can I find my spiritual gift? 
We're going to look at some tangible. There's even a little worksheet that I'll give you that you can fill out that maybe will give you an idea. It's not like a foolproof one, like if this is what it says and this must be your spiritual gift, but it'll give you maybe an idea. Can I tell you what you need to do to know what your spiritual gift is? Who gave you that spiritual gift? God. You think he knows what it is? I think he does. You think if I go and I ask him to show me what it is, do you think he will? I think he will. I, 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 if we want to know what our spiritual gifts are, we need to spend time praying and asking God to reveal that to us. God, God, what is my spiritual gift? And as we go through these, as we study these each Wednesday night, we'll look at it and say, is, is this it? Is this it? And the last question I have is, are you using your spiritual gift? Are you using it? Here's what happens with spiritual gifts. Each one of us, God has gifted. But sometimes we feel as if maybe your spiritual gift is the gift of teaching. Maybe you know that already. You know that your spiritual gift is the gift of teaching. But then you hear somebody else teach. And you're like, I can't do it like that. I, I, I can't do that. You, maybe your gift is prophecy. And you, you love proclaiming God's word. But maybe you, you go out with somebody soul winning and you hear them share the gospel with somebody. And you're like, man, I, I can't do that. I, I'm not as good as that. How could God ever use my gift? And I read an illustration this week in a little, little watering can. And sometimes we look at our gifts like, it's not that good. And especially when we, we look at somebody else, we're like, wow, they're, they're a lot more gifted than I am. I mean, what, what, what can I do? I mean, I, I know this is my spiritual gift, and I know this is what God has gifted me to do in the local church, but, but my spiritual gift is serving, and I, I, I can't do all that. Maybe physically I'm not able to do some of the things to serve other people that I'd like to do. Maybe just even knowledge. I don't have the knowledge to do that to help somebody. I wish I did, but I don't. But, but I really believe my gift is, is, is serving. But, but I look at somebody else, and they have the knowledge. They can, they, they can help them with everything. They've got the strength to do that. They've got, I, I mean, I'm not, what could I do? And I believe so many times that people look at their gifts, and then they compare their gifts to other people. And they say, well, my gift, I, I believe I'm gifted this way, but I'm just, I don't have as much of it as they do. But... When you water a plant, this, this is my watering can. Okay, I know it's pretty impressive. All right, but this, this is what I use. I, I, I water my, my plants. Braden sometimes it's one of his chores, and I do it when he doesn't do it. But uh, the plants I water, do you realize it doesn't matter to them if the water comes from here or from here? It doesn't matter at all. They just need the water. And the gift that God gives you to use to serve other people, it's not going to matter to those people. Maybe your gift is proclaiming or prophecy. And your gift is sharing the gospel with people. And you go out and you share the gospel and you see somebody say, there's nobody that you're going to have. God's going to give you the opportunity to lead to him that's going to look one day and say, wow, I wish that somebody that knew a little bit more would have talked to me. It's not going to matter. There's nobody that you're going to help serve that's going, that they're going to look at it and say, well, you know, they really helped me out. But if somebody else that had more talent was there, that would have been better. That's not going to be the case. Because you help somebody. 
Just as the plant doesn't matter, what is the vessel that gets the water to them? They're happy just getting the water. So as we look at those questions, do you, have you received that gift? That's a question that only, only you and God can answer. We can't assume that just because somebody has gone to church their whole life that they've received that gift. That's got to be a personal decision that you make. It doesn't matter what your parents believe, what your grandparents believe. None of that matters. It's a personal decision. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? And maybe you're sitting there tonight and say, I still don't know. That's okay. That's what we're going to study. But the last one, are you using your spiritual gift? Don't, don't worry if you think your spiritual gift's not as good as somebody else's. And I, I can't teach like them. I can't serve like them. I can't proclaim like them. You just use the gift God gave you in any way that you can because there's a purpose that he gave it to you. Remember the gifts. What was the purpose of the gifts? To glorify him and to serve other people. There's people that you can serve that maybe nobody else in this church can serve. There's people that you can proclaim, you can share the gospel with, and maybe nobody else in this church will have that opportunity. There's people here that you can teach. Parents, can I tell you somebody that, that you're teaching? Your kids. You're teaching them that nobody else is going to have as great opportunity to teach them as you are. See, all these are gifts. We're gift, each one of us are having a part of these things, but again, God gives some of us, each one of us, He gives us a, a special blessing of that. If you don't know what yours is, we're going to study it. But those of you that do, just remember, it doesn't matter. If maybe somebody else you feel is more gifted in that area. Just use your gift to the best of your ability. That's what God wants us to do. Dear God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that you would just help us to, to understand what our spiritual gift is. Again, help each one of us by the end of this study in a few weeks to discover our gift. That we would know what it is that you gave us. And then would you allow us to develop it more. And then to use it to glorify you and to serve each other. God, and if there's somebody in here tonight that has not received the gift of Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be that night. God, we thank you for all that you do. I pray you'd be with these next couple of weeks as we have our, our teen extreme and our kids blast coming up. God, would you work in those? We love you. We thank you for everything you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, thank you guys so much for being here. We look forward to Sunday, 9.30. We have our growth groups that we'll be meeting. If you're able to, come on out for one of those. And 10.30, our morning worship service. We'll look forward to a worshiping again together. And be in prayer for these events as uh, we're looking forward to getting the gospel to teenagers and kids in these next couple of weeks. So pray with us about that, all right? Thank you guys so much.